Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Welcome to episode number 578. In today's podcast, my guest and I are sharing with you how to win the mental game. He is an endurance athletic trainer, but what he is sharing you is real world and real life experience on how to tell a new story about yourself, how to create a power phrase, and most important, all about the power of mental resilience. Welcome to today's podcast interview. I brought on Michael Seiler. Michael, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. For those that are new to you, please give a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Uh, so I live in Louisville, pronounced Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I am a uh, endurance and professional uh, coach, uh, coaching everything from CEOs to professionals, national champions, on down to age groupers, um, and really helping them um, build sustainable performance. Um, I, I caution against high performance because that's a moment in time. It's really about how do we create the habits um, in order to create sustainable performance. I love that. And um, we talked in the pre-call a lot about using sports as metaphors and analogies, but I want people to know, I think what we're really talking about today is the idea of mental fitness and the yes. conversation we're going to have, whether we're talking sports or for the CEOs or business professionals. I mean, these are things you can use in everyday life. Every human faces adversity and in, in those that quote, get ahead or, or the top three percenters have resilience. It's all about mindset. It's habits. It's self-discipline. So I'd love for you to get a, give more background. How did you get into this work? Um, it's, it really goes way back. Someone asked me the other day, like, have you always been a coach? Um, because I started my first, um, what I would say professional coaching company, um, uh, about seven or eight years ago, uh, meta endurance, uh, was we, my business partner, Holly Benner, who's a former uh, professional triathlete. We started a, a little over a year ago, um, so professionally, I've been coaching about seven or eight years, but I started thinking about the answer to that question. And I really look back and I have truly been coaching all my life. I was coaching soccer in high school. I was, co I was coaching in college, um, coaching out after college. So even in my professional life, I have been coaching people. And it just seemed to be, I really love working with folks and being able to have some sort of positive impact, whether it's helping them make a career transition, helping them um, run their first marathon, compete, uh, complete their first Ironman triathlon. Um, that to me is one of the most rewarding things that I could do. But it really started with, I grew up playing sports. Um, I was often the team captain, um, which is a leadership role. And that just kind of got into, I really like this and I feel like I can help people um, through my coaching. 
pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com, and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now, back to regular programming. The reason I like using sports as metaphors, analogies, or even parallels for everyday life, I've also, well, not competed. I just compete against myself. But I've participated in triathlons because for me, I I am a, quote, high achiever. I, I like pushing myself. I actually put myself intentionally in uncomfortable situations because I want to see what I'm made of. I want to see what's sure. possible. But I have found for me, for example, training for a marathon, that was probably to date my biggest feat. And that was five months of showing up, especially when I didn't want to. But even on my runs, I had mantras and affirmations. I can, I am a finisher, I am strong. And I found, and now I'm getting chills, I found (laughs) that training for these physical feats have carried over into business aspects and other areas of life because I love Napoleon Hill. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but his book, Outwitting the Devil, that our biggest hangup is an undisciplined mind. I love that. I love that. Um, Yeah, you're right. I mean, any... That has been the thing that's drawn me. I mean, I grew up playing soccer. I played from the time I was six years old up through college and beyond. Uh, but when I moved into endurance sports, that is the thing I really loved about it is that it's as much mental as it is physical. And you really do have to. Um, I mean, we were talking in prior to coming on live about, you know, my definition of mindset is it's the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And if you aren't using the right words, uh, aren't telling yourself a, a strong, uplifting story. Um, I don't care how well you've trained. Uh, things are going to go bad come race day. Yeah. Are you familiar with the the years ago, I was told about this 80-20% rule that anything in life comes down to 80% psychology or mindset and 20% strategy or mechanics. I've actually moved into, I think it's more 90-10. But, and I found that out. So for me, as an example, let me share from a business aspect. I didn't have the mindset piece in play. I, I had spent thousands of dollars building a website and, and creating, you know, marketing stuff. And I was putting out content, but I was full of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, procrastination. So negative self-talk, mm-hmm. poor habits. And in that case, and I, and it was a big goose egg in my bank account, I was never going to quote excel or succeed in business because I didn't have the mindset piece there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when, when I talk to client, when I start um, meeting with potential clients, um, the biggest area, when we get into like, where are you stuck? um, It is rarely, um, it's not that they aren't educated enough or don't have the skills and experience. It's what's going on between their ears is yeah. that's what's holding them back. Yeah. Um, and so we spend a lot of time just working on reframing how they talk to themselves, how they talk to others, um, just so they come across more confident, they feel more confident. 
I love the, that you have mantras. We also call them power phrases. These things that, you know, reaffirm who I am at my essence of, um, you know, I am capable. I am experienced. Yeah. I'm somebody that shows up every day. Yeah. Just these little things. Um, we have a great exercise that I do with uh, athletes going into a big event where I have them write the story of the day after their event and just write it in the past tense from the time they wake up, they describe their warm up, they describe their event, they describe the feeling after. And then we do some story work uh, to create affirmations that they can then take into the event. And I've had them tape them on their handlebars or write them on their arms. So when they're running or biking, they can look down and they go, I am someone who works hard. Yeah. I am someone who shows up. I'm a finisher. Yeah. Okay. So this is so important and I'd like to deep dive more of this. So yeah. what you shared with me is the idea of mental fitness, but it's that truly the work between our ears and what you just shared with that. Number one, you've created clarity, how you want the event to go. So I, people come to me a lot, lacking clarity, feeling stuck financially, relationally in business, and most importantly in their happiness. And in that note, it's because, right, we're, we're stuck on this hamster wheel, this negative feedback loop, thinking, feeling the same. So can you give some practical tools or strategies that you are helping these athletes and professionals that the listeners also can take and put into play in their life to change their story, change their focus, have a vision? Yep, sure. Because um, you're, you're, you're spot on. There's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the reticular active, activating system. Uh, but it sits, you know, they're connected to our brainstem. And one of its job is to filter information for our brain. Yep. Um, so the analogy I say is, you know, when someone's going and shopping for a Subaru Outback, all of a sudden they see Subaru Outbacks everywhere. Yep. And that's because we fed our reticular activating system to say, look for Subaru Outbacks. And so that's what it does. The same is true for our words and our stories that we keep in our brains. So if we're telling ourselves we're not good enough, we start looking for examples to prove our brain right, to prove that story right. Um, and I love that you brought up the word clarity. Um, so the tools that I use with my clients is, I mean, we call it story work. Um, some people might call it journaling. Um, but the key thing is to get the stories out of their head onto paper. I mean, literally, this is a magic wand right here is the pen and to put it on paper, write it down that immediately just getting it out of the head and writing it on paper creates some space between the story, creates some clarity that they can observe from different angles. And really, my role as a coach is to help them gain new perspective on the situation that they're dealing with. Either it's a life situation, a work situation. Um, the answer is inside of them. My job is to help them uncover that answer um, that, that's under there that's just covered with all this negative self-talk or this feeling of being stuck. And so we spend a lot of time doing journaling, working on specific stories, could be something even dating back to their childhood um, mm. that, that they just have never truly dealt with. Do you talk much or deal? with the emotion aspect of it? That comes, it comes up in the process. Um, 
I'll tell you early on in my coaching career, I, I had a couple of sessions where like people started crying and initially it was like, uh Oh, but then I just started to realize, no, we, we just released something that has been just pushed down, down, down. Yeah. And by just working on the words and getting that story out um, helps them again, put some distance between the event and who they are and to see it for what it truly is um, and start to unpack a lot of those emotions that are just tied up into that particular event. Well, even what's coming to mind is something Dr. Joe Dispenza teaches. So I'm, I'm super into quantum physics. I love the energy, the vibration game of all of this, but something he would teach and like the reason athletes visualize or mentally rehearse. Now, I, I think I heard this from Phil Mickelson, I think, on a podcast years ago. He's a big golfer, and he literally, before every swing, pulls out his club, mentally rehearses how he's going to swing, how the ball's going to go. But what I was thinking about there with the emotion aspect of it, Dispenza teaches that our thoughts are the electrical charge putting it out. But our emotions and feelings, so for example, these athletes or professionals or someone going to a job interview, if you embody the end result, feeling empowered, grateful, unstoppable, love, connection, whatever that end emotion is, if you're embodying it and feeling it now, again, that's part of that mental rehearsal in your mind thinks in terms of images. It doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. Correct. So if we're thinking and feeling, that's how we step into that end result, right? Absolutely. I mean, we use the the, the strength training maxima. It's about sets and reps. Mm. You just have to get those sets and reps um, in. I, I recently read a study where they actually did, they took two groups um, and they were going to do, I forget what the activity they were preparing for. One group they asked to just visualize doing well on whatever the task was. And the other per the other group was just a control, just go in. And the group yeah. that did the visualization performed better because their brain had rewired itself and said, this is what, you know, good looks like. You can do this. You see yourself doing it and then you go do it and, and it, and it works. I want to share back to the marathon for five months, for 20 weeks. And whether I was on a four-mile training run or an 18-mile training run, every single run, I imagined it was marathon day. Every single run, I, I put a finish line on the pavement. I was running through it. Like I, I was mentally rehearsing. And um, 26.2 miles is a lot, but I remember day of running I was flying. I was gliding. They talk about hitting the wall, this perceived wall, which we could talk about challenges and obstacles, right? Normally, I think people hit it around miles 18 or 20. Yeah. And the race I ran here in Denver, they had this blow up brick wall as a metaphor <laughs> running through it, which was awesome. I didn't hit the wall until mile 23. And that's when my quads locked up. I was just spent at that point. Sure. But it was amazing for me, I think, it, and it was because I did the sets and reps for 20 weeks, that 23 miles I was in the zone. And thank God I had done all those sets and reps to get me through those last three. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
I love that uh, finish line. That's a great tool. Probably steal that. Um, You're welcome. I, I, yeah. I mean, I do this with, um, especially my cyclists um, and my triathletes as well. Is I, I, you know, I tell them, go spend some time just seeing the finish line. Just visualize what the finish line looks like so you know it's just around this turn and then there it is. Um, so they do have some sort of thing that can kind of pull them forward. Now, I would love for you to share. I know you've done an Ironman. I think two, right? Done two. Okay. So for those who have no idea what we're talking about, can you please explain what an Ironman is, the three disciplines and the distances? And then I would love to hear the mindset, the mental fitness to get you through. I mean, that's a feat. Uh, yes. Uh, so um, the Ironman distance, it's a little... Um, what we call long course, which is a full Ironman, um, is swim, bike, run. Swim is 2.4 miles, um, typically in open water. Um, the bike is 112 miles, and then the run is a full 26.2 mile marathon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's you know it's uh, for me it was an 11 and a half hour day of moving nonstop. Uh, the the biggest takeaway I I took from that, and you know, I I I don't know whether I consider myself a Buddhist or just really Buddhist leaning, but um, the mental aspect for me was I realized that when you're swimming, like I think Iron Man is the perfect like Zen metaphor of when you're swimming, just swim. You can't think about the bike. Yep. And think about the run. And then the minute the swim's over, it's over. Yeah. And then you bike. And that's really what got me through um through both of my Ironman of just saying I'm not I'm only focusing on the moment and doing what I need to do in this moment before because the bike's in the future, the runs in the future. Um and that was that's a lesson that I learned in the moment, but it's also a lesson that's really served me well in, life. in, in my life of yeah. got to focus on the here and now. The past is gone. The future doesn't even exist. I want to share my experience. So the first try I did was just a sprint try. I just wanted to get my feet wet, literally. Sure. Sure. And it was a very humbling experience because I come from, I, I've been boating my whole life. But I found out treading water, waiting for a boat to come pick you up versus swimming in open water, people around you splashing, grabbing your ankles, choking on water. My swim. So I think a sprint try, isn't it? It's only like half a mile, five. Yeah, it depends on the distance. It's usually about a half mile. So not terribly far, but let me just tell you, um, humbling experience, because I remember I got in and it's the adrenaline and you're going. And I that's what I think I love about physical feats is the adrenaline, that the rush, the high. But my first stroke, I choked on water, literally choked. So the rest of the swim, I'm doggy paddling. I am struggling. My negative self-talk, I was not in a good place. So I'm, I come out of the water feeling I was nearly last. I think there were like four people behind me. Bad. <laughs> 
it is what right? So I come out of water defeated, exhausted, but I got on the bike and something changed on me and the bike that like that competitive, competitive edge came back in and I just played a game. I want how many people can I pass? Yeah. And I just, the one person in front of me passed them and I just kept passing people on the bike. And then like, I'm a runner. So I, I finished with the run, but the point is I finished, it was not easy. And then I decided that next summer, cause I'm not a quitter. And I'd love to talk about, let's talk about resilience and overcoming adversity and challenges and obstacles. I signed up for an Olympic try that next summer. So it's nearly double the distance in a lot of the disciplines. But guess what I did this time? I got a swimming coach. I I did a whole lot more in open water. Uh, I'm still probably not the strongest, but I learned new strokes. And then I watched, and I have a mug over here. That's why I was looking. I watched Nemo. In the morning of the race, there's this two-minute chunk on YouTube. I watch it several times, and it's just keep swimming, just keep (laughs) swimming. And that was my mantra. Like, And I had fun with it. I was light. I was playful. But my mantra, just keep swimming. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about the power of resilience and overcoming adversity. And even if you, quote, fail, to get back up. Um, yeah, because that, I mean, especially when you talk about any sort of endurance event, whether it's a marathon or even a full Ironman, um, resiliency is the key. And this is why I talked in the intro about helping people build skills for sustainable performance. Um, and resiliency is the biggest part of that, because if you go through life long enough, whether it's at work, in your personal life, in athletics, you are going to experience failure. Something doesn't go right. You you do all the training for uh, an Ironman and halfway through the bike, um, you have a mechanical. Yep. Stuff happens. Um, So building resiliency is really about how can we you know, from when I'm coaching, working with athletes, it's how can I create situations where um, either a workout is somewhat designed for failure in that it's a little beyond their reach. Uh, Steve Magnus calls them just manageable challenges. So something that's just a little bit out of their reach. Um, and I, you know, I even put the workout on there and I, I expect them to fail. What I find is often they don't because they push themselves. And then we have a conversation about how that's building that resiliency muscle. Um, We also do a lot as much as we can in practice about how can we create situations where um, you can plan for those failure points. So, for example, I mentioned a mechanical in in a bike race is, do you know how to change a tire? What are you going to do if your chain comes off? Um, What happens if your pedal breaks? And really working through that ahead of time. So a lot of people, we talked about visualization earlier. Lots of people visualize the positive. But there's a lot of science, too, to say visualize failure and how you will react in that moment. Because you want to practice that as well. I've, I've been in bike races. I've been in running events where I have been faced with that moment and Early in my career, I didn't handle it well. Um, I just fell to pieces and that was it. But as I built this resiliency, I've now visualized these things happening and run them through in my mind. How am I going to respond? This could happen. 
How am I going to deal with it? And it's, again, it's story work so that I do have those power phrases available to me and I'm not trying to create them on the fly. So even knowing like, this is no problem. I've got a flat tire. I know how to change a flat tire. It'll take me three or four minutes and then I'm back on in the race. Well, and what you're talking about is being proactive instead of reactive. Correct. Like Correct. I think having your eye on the prize, but also realizing and, and preparing for a plan B or something else. Uh, something that you brought to mind, I think is really important to talk about is this idea of creating sustainability. And so what I talk about is what I do and set myself up for is I've created a lifestyle. You know, our, our, our human experience, there is no destination. It's a journey. It's the longest marathon I think we're going to run. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're waking up every single day. And a lot of people do hit burnout there. You know, there's this paradigm of hustle and grind and make shit happen and go, go, go. And I literally did a poll on LinkedIn. There's this group of 30,000 plus CEOs, executives. And I did a poll asking their biggest pain point. 71% said high stress and burnout. Yeah. Can we talk about how, number one, we're not built for that? Right. We're built for yeah. if things come to react. But when we're living in high stress and burnout, what does that lead to in our life? Um, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. The results of that poll. Um, we have been fed this um, this go hard or go home. Uh, HTFU, harden the F up um, mentality. And it's not sustainable. I mean, sometimes that will get you through a hard workout, uh, but it's not a tool that you can just continue to to use. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to fail you. And so what we really, um, I'd preach to anybody who will listen, is that, you know, you have to have uh, the way to growth, the path to the equation for growth is really simple. It's stress plus rest equals growth is... And it goes back to the physiology is like you stress your body through interval training or weight training or distance. Um, and then you have to get it rest. You have to give it rest because that's where the growth happens. The adaptation happens there. And that's true whether you're training for an athletic event or preparing for some big presentation to the board of directors of your company. Yeah, You can't burn it can't be burning both ends all the time. You have to build in this, these moments of recovery or rest or balance um, to be able to continue to go back to the well um, to perform that way. So what would you offer somebody, especially a lot of men are workaholics, they're addicted to work, their identities in their work. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they don't know any different. And I, I mean, I've worked with a lot of clients that are on vacation, take their laptop, haven't had a vacation in seven plus years. So how can we bring this idea of active recovery with our physiology into a lifestyle? Part, the thing that I do, especially when I'm assessing and start working with, um, whether it's an athlete or professional, is... I talk a lot about um, these key factors in our life that are going to lead to health. And so it's nutrition, it's exercise or movement, it's connection, it's some level of um, 
purpose or spirituality, and then it's mindset. Yeah. And I, I ask them, what are your current practices in these five things? Yeah. And how would you rate yourself on following those? Um, and Wait. then we. Sorry, I interrupted you. Can Because um, okay. I was writing that down. Can we go over those five disciplines again? Yeah. I think that's really important. Sure. So uh, it's nutrition. So that's, you know, your diet. It's movement. So it's exercise. It's getting out and walking. It's yoga. Um, it's purpose or spirituality. Um, it's mindset. And then the fifth one, actually, that I left out was sleep. Uh, the only scientifically proven recovery tool out there is sleep. Yeah. Um, you can... You know, you can take all the creatine you want. You can get in your uh, infrared sauna blanket. You can do cold plunges. And eh, science is mixed. Sleep, proven. So we talk about that. How many hours of sleep are you getting? Are you, what's your sleep hygiene like? How can we create some habits around that to get to bed at, the, at a regular time? Get up at a regular time. What's the environment in your, in your bedroom? Do you have distractions? Do you have lights? Uh, same with nutrition. I, I don't have a, a bias towards any diet, but you should eat well, um, whatever that means. If you're into keto, great. If you're into, uh, you know, if you want to be vegan, great. But let's just make sure that you're eating well and fueling the body. And we just go through those five things and start to develop some habits uh, that they can manage and it depends on the person. You've got the hard charging CEO that's flying all over the place. How do we create some structure even in that environment? And then down to someone who, you know, life's a little more predictable and it's a little bit easier for them to set these habits. Yeah. You know, even on that note, what's coming to mind, the same thing, three things I wrote down is I think any quote success comes down to structure or self-discipline. Mm-hmm awareness aka being mindful and intentional which we touched on being proactive and these habits right because um yep. but let's talk about different stages of life because there are times when like i i used to be go 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 and and i think it was almost needing to prove to myself what i was capable of and now i've moved into much more calm cool collected i really like yoga i still strength train but i'm more like i run two miles because it feels good i don't want to beat my body up yep so how, how do we move in and out of these um you know like stages of life um one I, I, one i think it starts with acknowledging that there are stages in life um and we really have to start wherever the individual is. And if, for example, um, running a mile is where they are right now, great. Um, I'll give you an example of someone I uh, was coaching and they were wanted to run. They've been fit, played volleyball, um, very active, but not a runner. But she wanted to run her first 5K because she promised a friend. And um, she just like hates running. <laughs> She said, I feel like I'm like drowning. That's how wow. bad. And I finally had to get her mind around that. Maybe right now you're, you're just walking. Like if the problem is your heart rate's too high, that means that you're working too hard. So walk. She's like, but then I'm not training. I was like, yes, you are. We're starting where you are. We're, what will happen is as you walk more, 
and your walk will get faster. And then we'll start to sprinkle in some actual bits of running. And sooner or later, sure enough, she's like, oh my gosh, I ran the whole workout today. But it, you have to start where they are and help them build those things over time. But it does fluctuate. I mean, I, you, you know, you mentioned, hey, you, you did triathlons, you ran a marathon, and now two miles is is enough for you to feel good and feel like you moved. And then maybe in five years from now, you're going to say like, huh, I'd like to run another marathon. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. There's always, I, I swore I'd only run one and 37 or 38 later. Uh, wow. <laughs> But I, I think it's starting where they are. It's helping them build that structure around themselves and be realistic. You know, someone that is, um, you know, has young kids that they have, have to um, care for and they are got all the kids' activities. Uh, you can't expect them to say, hey, okay, today is going to be a two-hour run. Um, and then, you know, and then you're going to foam roll for 30 minutes. I mean, that's just not realistic. So... We do have to start where they are, help them start to build the habits um, and the routines. Um, and some of it's tricks. Hey, lay your running stuff out the night before so it's there. Yeah. So you don't, it's there. Or I've even told people, I was like, sleep in your running gear, except for your shoes. So yeah. that literally when you get out of the bed, all you have to do is put your shoes on and you're out the door. Yeah. Just little things just to build sets and reps in yeah. so that you do have the structure uh, and then have create those habits. You know, what's coming to mind, even on that note, accountability, which we have not touched on yet. How important is accountability and why do people invest in coaching? Uh, I would argue that that's maybe 50% of the reason people hire a coach, um, is for that accountability, um, to, even on like the lower end side, it's just knowing that I'm looking at their training plan in training peaks. It can see whether they completed it or not. I mean, I've, I've worked with an athlete that whenever his workout wasn't green in training peaks, he wanted to call me like, why isn't it green? It says it's yellow because it tracks basically the work. But, um, so I think there's accountability is a huge part of it. Um, I mean, in our process, um, that's the last part. Once we've set goals, our real job is to create, help them create an action plan and then be there to hold them accountable, um, to check in, to create, to be objective about what's going on yeah. um, with their performance. I'm curious, what are some of your daily rituals or practices for yourself and for business? Because I'm, you're human. I imagine you have off days that there are days you don't feel like it. So how do you keep showing up and stay forward focused? Um, my big, um, my big rituals is um, I get up about the same time every morning, somewhere around 4.30 or 5. Um, I get up, I read uh, at least 10 pages um, just in the morning. It could be something um, it tends to be something self-helpish or coaching related. Um, I do that. Then I take the dog for a walk. I love my morning walk. Uh, gives me time to just think about my thinking, um, and just get some early movement in. Uh, the other part of my morning ritual is I do about 20 minutes of, uh, 
mobility work and meditation um, just to I find it helps me prep for the day. Um, it gives me that time to just like tune out, focus on my breath. I find if I wait till the afternoon, there's just too much going on in here that just the monkey brain is yeah. squawking. But in the morning, I can really yeah. prep for the day. Um, and then it's just, um, you know, doing some 45 or more, whatever my training plan calls for. Uh, so my business partner, Holly, is also my coach. So whatever she tells, tells me to do, because even a coach needs a coach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we all have off days um, where we aren't feeling 100 percent. And um, one of the things we try to do with our athletes is empower them to give them agency to know when they need to listen to their body and just tell me, put a note in their workouts today. Today wasn't the day. Um got horrible sleep, just wasn't feeling right. Um, and to realize that that doesn't wreck the whole plan. These things are going to happen. <clears throat> Life gets in the way and we just have to adjust in the moment um, when that happens. And there's that great, it's a, I don't know whether it's a Buddhist saying, but it's like, you know, when you find yourself off the path, the first step is to get back on the path. So you had a bad day, you decided to eat the whole carton of ice cream. Well, don't, screw up the rest of your diet, just say, okay, I ate the whole carton of ice cream and then just get back on the path tomorrow. Yeah. Um, get back to eating right or get back to working out, but don't sweat the fact that you had a misstep. Yeah. Here's what I want to know, because we've touched on a lot. Is there maybe, I don't know, you know, my teaching, my coaching, I have four main pillars. Is there like a recipe for success for this idea of sustainability and mental fitness? Is there some sort of key takeaway that we, we can give listeners that they can implement today? Uh, yeah, there's a couple things. I think the first is that, um, you know, the word meta for our company comes from loving kindness. It's a poly word. And that really starts with yourself and taking the time to work on yourself, whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, spending time meditating, um, you know, reading, uh, inspirational books. I mean, whatever that is, but spend the time to really invest in yourself. Um, because if you want to be of service to others, um, you need to, you know, you need to invest in yourself first. Cause you can't, it's like the old, in the airplane, what do they tell you to do? If the oxygen mask deploy, they tell you to put yours on first yeah. before you put somebody else's on, because if you do that, you can't help that person. If you're gasping for air. Yeah. Um, I think the second thing, and this is one of the first things I do with new clients is we have a values identification exercise, um, whether it's in sport or whether it's in, um, your professional life or even your personal life. If you're doing something that is not in alignment with your personal values, your core values, those things you hold deeply important, you can't sustain it. And I've seen it time and again. Someone takes that job because of the lure of a big paycheck or the excitement of what the job is. And it's not in alignment with their with their core values. And then they can't yeah. figure out why they aren't happy. Yep. And so we spend a lot of time starting out with an athlete is really them working on themselves, identifying those core values, understanding why. Because whether it's a marathon, an Ironman, uh, getting that promotion at work. If you don't understand why you're doing it, 
you're not going to show up every day. You're not going to push yourself on those days you're feeling down if you don't understand what's important to you and what your what your why is. You know, I have to, I love that you brought up values. That's very synchronistic. It's been kind of in the forefront for me lately, but I found out, of course, this is in hindsight. Now I didn't know at the time, but I was so unfulfilled in corporate. I felt stuck. I felt almost suffocated. Turns out for me, my values are time and financial freedom, mainly freedom, but the idea of laptop lifestyle, working wherever I want, being creative, that's a big value for me. And so being put in a box of a nine to five was so misaligned with those two values. Of course, I felt suffocated, unfulfilled, unhappy, and but I didn't understand that at the time. So you're right. right. Values are key. Very important. And so, and I find most people have not taken the time uh, to do that. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Um, I'd love to talk to you further because I could talk all day about mindset and mental fitness, but, uh, you know, to keep it in timely, I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Uh, I got to go with Springsteen. Uh, you've got to learn to li- live with what you can't rise above. Explain that. Um, so as we go through in life, um, and it goes back to the story work, is that these experiences we have, positive or negative, um, we have to learn either to how we rise above them, which mm-hmm. could be creating some space and clarity and getting a better perspective on what that event or emotion is um or we need to learn how to live with it and make peace with it Mm. um if we can't learn to rise above it we're going to need to learn how to make peace with it and that's a lot of what um with the story work is and this negative self-talk is i'm not going to get get rid of 100 percent of your self-talk um but what i really want to do is turn the volume down on it So it's just not as loud. It's now it's two rooms over and you can barely hear it. Um, So that's what I really talk about is, you know, living with it is how can we turn the volume down? on it? That's wise. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Uh, Oh, God, there's so many. Um, I am currently reading. um, God, I'm going to butcher the name. It's basically the. It's a mental training based on the, the principles of Lojong, which is training for compassion. Um, but there's this, and I, I can't, I won't even try to quote the history, but it follows this uh, seven principles with 59 slogans of how to lead a, develop um, a compassionate approach to life. And guess what? It starts with yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's a great one. Um, I've recently read uh, Brad Stolberg's uh, Master of Change, which um, came to me. You know, the books that come to you at the right moment um, are always the best. But I've been going through a bunch of change personally, and it just gave me the tools and and thoughts help me rethink some things to just be able to handle this moment of change. 
Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, probably just tell myself to relax mm-hmm. uh, and not sweat the small stuff. Um, there's a uh, there's a great uh, song uh, lyric from an artist named Jimmy Dale Gilmore. He's uh, Austin singer songwriter. Um, but in the song, he says, um, you're not the wave, you're just an ocean. You're not the ocean, you're just a wave. Um, and that's one of the things I've learned in my corporate career and my outside life is that things that we think are the ocean are usually just waves and they come and they pass and then that's it. Yeah. And so um, that's what I would tell myself is just try to keep perspective, relax, don't sweat the small stuff. And it all works out. It all does work out. Yeah. Such a great note to end on. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm with you. I could stay and talk to you all day, but I know we've both got uh, important stuff to go do. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.